Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm an astrophysicist with the American Museum of Natural History, where I also serve as director of Hayden Planetarium. We're here at Star Talk. I think of it as Star Talk After Hours, but in fact, it's Star Talk Cosmic Queries. And I've got with me in studio the one, the only Leanne Lord. Leanne. Hey, I like that. The one and only. The one and only Leanne Lord, especially since you spell your name L E I G H A N N. Thank you. I can't take credit for that. That's my parents. Okay. But thank you. And I, I make a point of that because if you want to follow Leanne on Twitter, you got to spell her name right. That's okay. right. She is at Leanne Lord. Easy to find, easy to follow once you get the letters right. It's great to have you on here. Oh, it's so nice to be here. So you actually, you make a living as a professional comedian. I make a living as a professional comedian. That is awesome. That Bring, is crazy. Bringing laughter where it's needed most in exactly, the world. Exactly, exactly. Okay. It's not rocket science, but you know, people need it. <laughs> and I, and always, I always, I, I like following you where you go around the the country and the world. You. You've been to the Middle East I've been with to the, the, the Middle troops. East. That I is have. so Bob Hope of you. Oh man! Oh my God! And they really are a great audience. They, I love doing it. Yeah, yeah, very appreciative. And so it's great to have you here. So uh, this this cosmic queries segment, we're going to talk about. Pseudoscience. Pseudoscience. Yeah. Oh, this, do this, we have how many hours do we have? I know, for right, this topic? right, right, right. So it's it's people. It's it's stuff that people think is science, but in fact isn't. They want it to be science, right? But science is actually knows quite well what it is and how mm -hmm. it works and how the methods and tools apply. And so a big effort of people who are trying to sort of the debunkers out there are to try to show people what science is and how we know what we know, and how we know what we don't know. All right. How how <laughs> how do we know what we know? <laughs> no, no. It's how we know what we know, and how we know that we don't know something. Okay, that's just as important. That's true. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So we've called questions from the internet. Uh, on the internet, we you can we are StarTalkRadio.net. 
you can chat chat with us there. We have there's a blog, places to deposit your 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 questions and comments. There's a, the archive of our past shows are there as well. Also on Facebook, you can like us there. Uh, Star Talk Radio, that's easy to get to. And of course, we're in the Twitterverse, Star Talk Radio. I, I also tweet. If you have patience for my cosmic brain droppings. They're, they're, they're brilliant. No. Brilliant. <laughs> they're, not, they're not related. They're just stuff that floats in and out of my head. And I happen to be, I have a medium to put them. That's <laughs> all it is. A repository for my brain drop. Your, 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 your tweets make me stop and stare into space because I'm like, wait a minute. Well, not while you're yeah, driving. Right? Oh, well, no. <laughs> yeah, because I'm tweeting while driving. But what? No. <laughs> So uh, these questions, I think these all uh, all came from Facebook. Is that these correct? Are, these look like they are all Facebook questions. Yes, they are. Yeah, and I haven't seen them before, so this will all be very fresh. Good. And good. if I if I can't answer one, I'll say I can't answer it. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fair. Uh, by the way, I I while I have a lot of thoughts to share about pseudoscience, there are people out there who do this professionally. So I'm so this is just a, a service to our listeners. Yes. But there are books written by folks who, for example, Michael Shermer, who wrote Why People Believe weird things. Yes. The title very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Go find him on the, you can find, and in there, customers who bought that book also bought. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at the rest, there's a whole slew of ways you can sort of read up on this. So let's see how well I can do for yes. this. Go. All right. We have a, the first question here uh, is from Benjamin Camacho Garcia. And uh, he says, we Look know, at you, Garcia. Garcia. Just put a little Spanish flair on it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he says, we know all kinds of su- pseudoscience are garbage. But which one do you find more entertaining and which one would be the most dangerous to practice? Okay. The one I think is most entertaining is the Ouija board. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're going old school. All old right. school. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not, you I didn't even, expect that. Don't even have to plug that one in. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's the Ouija board where people gather around a table and you put your and, – and it's on your lap, I guess, if I remember how you do this. It's touching your knees. No, no. No, no. It's on a table. It, I, yeah, I did it when the, it's on a knee. But you put it on a table. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You've got to – Well, you have the board and then and you have your hands on the little device. Everybody has to touch the the. the pointer oh right right okay that's one version of it when i when i first did it that that object on the board Mm -hmm. would move by gravity so the board would tilt and it would slide to the letters on the board okay so here this is like sort of group movement yes yeah so i think that's just it's a part it's a fun party thing it's like playing twister except (laughs) (laughs) without the inappropriate contact without the inappropriate yeah and so i kind of like the ouija board and of course it's your uh, what they did was, it turns out, if you're blind, the Ouija board doesn't work very well for you. So what you're are actually, the odds? Yeah, you're, you're influencing where the, the puck lands right. on it because you can actually see it. And it turns out, if you don't know how to spell well, you actually misspell the words while you – they're fascinating experiments you can do that just just summarily debunk the entire – the entire process. Like, so for example, are you communic- Are you channeling someone else's words through your ability to communicate through the Ouija board and you find out they misspell the same words that you do? Well, yes, love it. Yeah, so so unless you, your spelling profile exactly matches that of the dead person <laughs> whose spirit you're channeling, you got, this is not working. So a Ouija board, I would say, was my. Uh, is, your, uh, is your most entertaining? Yeah. What yeah. about now, what about the most dangerous? Oh, the most dangerous. These are the ones where you think you have a cure for a medical ailment and uh, that would this is on sort of the what they call alternative medicine Uh, by the way have you ever heard of alternative math 
Of course not, because it doesn't exist. Have you ever <laughs> heard of alternative <laughs> physics? Of course not, because there's no such thing. Yet somehow we all want to believe that there's something called alternative medicine. There's either the stuff that works and the stuff that doesn't. And the stuff that works, let's call medicine, and the stuff that doesn't, let's call that quackery. Let's just simply be honest about this, okay? Believe it or not, we have that in my profession too, alternative comedy. Alternative. <laughs> it's called not funny. Not funny. Uh, so... Uh, so that then it's dangerous. It's not okay. dangerous to others. It's dangerous to yourself because you think there's a cure that someone claims is real but has not undergone rigorous scientific testing. And then you forego treatment that you get through other means and you end up dying sooner or dying uh, – or, or not getting, or, or becoming maimed or crippled because you didn't seek the attention that it required. Right. So that's where the danger comes in. So that's why I don't jump all over people who do, you know, their tarot card readings and palm readings, and you know, uh, I, you know, I don't distract myself by people who want to believe that's real. Uh, but when the medicine steps in there, that's a problem. Okay. You've been listening. You are listening to Star Talk Radio. The Cosmic Queries Hour. <laughs> and I'm here with Leanne Lord. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. And we'll continue after the break. Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your host. I'm an astrophysicist by day <laughs> and Star Talk Radio announcer by night. Love it. No, actually, an astrophysicist can be anything they want at night because nobody's looking. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is asleep. We're awake contemplating the cosmos. So we've called questions from the internet, and these are all related to pseudoscience. Yes. And and Leanne, uh, let me just ask you: do, do you do do you feel do you do you lean towards anything that you think might be pseudoscience? I don't think so. I, I, I might have before I met you. Um, but <laughs> well, I, I, I don't think want to put been, you on the spot. I think it's been educated out of me. <laughs> oh, oh, I like that phrase. To get something educated out of you. Oh, can we use that? We got to use that. Well, be my guest. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Get the pseudoscience educated out of you. There we go. All right. That's why we do this. So you got a question. From... I do. I do. It's actually almost maybe uh, These a These are questions from listeners. These are questions from listeners. Our give back in a way, yeah. too. We want to make sure you're a part of what we do here. And so. I, I love the interaction uh -huh. with fans. This is fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, this is a question, a question from Brian Shields. And uh, he wants to know sort of uh, what spurred the use of items such as crystals in the realm of pseudoscience? I mean, were users attracted to their physical beauty or did they just assume that it had more enduring qualities? What an awesome question. That's a great question. So, so what we have found in the history of cultures is that civilizations tended to gather together and cherish. Uh, that, that might overstate what it actually is in some cases, but... Uh, establish a higher level of curiosity for some things over other things. Okay. Right? So it's a curiosity factor because it's different. And by the way, there's a famous quote from Isaac Newton. And he imagines himself sitting at the water's edge. And as the waves come upon the shore, he says, I feel like a child on the shore picking up one pebble over another just because it looks slightly more interesting than the rest. Yet the ocean of truth lay undiscovered before me. So there he is, humbled 
by the fact that he knows there's a lot more to discover. Mm -hmm. But there he is nonetheless curious about the little things that are in his arm's reach. One pebble being shinier than the next. So over history, what we've done is you pick up shiny things. You pick up. <laughs> I love that deeply scientific explanation. <laughs> shiny things. We pick up shiny things. We, we wear shiny things. Jewelry is yes. typically shiny. Yes. You yourself are wearing shiny things. Shiny, okay. Shiny things. So yes. I'm not talking about only ancient civilizations. I'm okay. talking about modern life. So we find silver, gold. It goes to high luster. We like these things. We collect them. They are different from other things you find in nature. We also, uh, crystals, are the world's first transparent solid things. Think about that. Yeah, I, did, I just did the head cock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> like, the dog that just heard yeah, the high-pitched scream. The world's first solid transparent things. Yes. Normally you think of solid. It's solid. Nothing it's, goes yeah. through it. And now I've got a solid thing. That light can pass through. That's an awesome thought. And that awesome, is pretty cool. And there it is in nature. There's quartz. Quartz crystal is transparent to visible light. Now, take that fact and say, well, can you do anything with it? Do you realize this even worked its way into early ideas of the cosmos? So... Before we knew that Earth went around the sun and this sort of thing, it was like the sun goes around the Earth and everything goes around the Earth because Earth is the center of the entire universe. Well, we know there are different distances because some move faster on the sky than others. But what holds them up there? What keeps them there? So guess what held them there? Something has to hold them there and completely surround the Earth, but you have to be able to see through it to see the planets that are farther away than they are. Uh. This was the birth of the crystalline spheres. Okay. Crystal not because crystal is a special form of mineral. Crystal because the damn thing is transparent. And you can see through it to the rest of the cosmos. And so there was the crystalline spheres out there. So crystals were valued simply because they were different. And okay. they were transparent. And we always, it's, it's, a, it's a natural part of human curiosity to pick up that which is different and bring it home. <laughs> <laughs> well, mom and dad aren't always happy about that. <laughs> so, I don't know, honey. A little transparent. <laughs> so that's, in fact, when if you want to think about it in another kind of way, those are the seeds of the birth of science. The fact that we are curious about some things that are different than others. If you look at the, uh, I think is the Inuit, whatever is the culture that uh, that frequented the shores of Greenland. Okay. okay. And as we know, Greenland is mostly glacier, at least for now. <laughs> there is a, the Cape York meteorite, which is currently the largest meteorite in captivity. <laughs> and Being held against its will, everybody. It is at the American Museum of Natural History in our meteorite hall. That meteorite was cherished by the local peoples. And in fact, meteorites have been, iron meteorites have been the entire source of metal for civilizations that did not otherwise have access to iron ores beneath Earth's surface. So Native American tribes, um, the, the Inuits, other, I think Eskimo is not the proper term these days, but the, the terms that describe the coastal peoples who fished for food and lived um, in, these, in the Arctic regions, the metal that's in those cultures in almost every case is metal carved off of rocks that they did not 
the rocks that didn't match anything else in their environment, and those were iron meteorites that were exposed on the surface that had been there for tens of thousands, possibly in some cases, um, millions of years. Mm. So something different. Yes. Nice. That was a long answer, man. No, okay. but that's great. Okay, all right. I love it. Mm-hmm. Are, do you want another question? Actually, the, the meteorite would not have been there for millions of years because continental drift would have redistributed where everything is. So if you found a meteorite in, in the ground, it would have fallen within the last tens of thousands of years, typically. Hmm. Yeah. So you just footnote it yourself. Yes. Okay, thank you, Yes. <laughs> Caveat. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. And this might be a little controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from uh, Richard Conant. And again, the theme is pseudoscience. It, yeah. The theme is, oh, this is definitely pseudoscience. Mm-hmm. And it begins with Mr. Tyson. Is there hope for America when 46% believe in creationism? Mm. Yeah. Are we going to edit that out? Okay. No, that's <laughs> fine. Uh, there is hope for America if 47% believe in creationism, provided that that 47% doesn't require that the other 53% believe it as well. Aye, there's the rub, sir. Yeah. So the problem is not what people believe. This is a free country. Believe what you want. I will not tell you what to believe. What I will say to you is that if you want your belief, which is not based on objective truths, it's based on what are generally known as as revealed truths, there's some sacred document Mm -hmm. that someone has truth revealed to them through whatever forces that you recognize in your religion. And there are many of these. There's Joseph Smith's documents Mm -hmm. and and there's the Quran. There are all these revealed truths. If those truths conflict with objectively verifiable truths and you want to teach that as science, that's the beginning of the end of the technological foundation of your culture. I just alert you of the consequences of this. I will not tell you what to think or how to think it. I just want to say, if you do this, then that's what happens. You have been warned. You've been warned. <laughs> Proceed at your peril. <laughs> yeah, you, you've, you've been warned. And and by the way, the there's no tradition of atheists or scientists knocking down the Sunday school door, <laughs> telling the preacher, that might not necessarily be true. No, there's no one trying to change church uh, religious right. curriculum. Right. It's not happening. So to have religious communities try to alter a science curriculum to meet their needs, uh, I, that's that's a profound imbalance of, have, of what the historical relationship has been between religious communities and scientific communities uh, over the centuries. So so the problem is not – uh, that, that's not the problem. The problem is when people want to learn science, think that creationism is science. They have been removed from the frontier of cosmic discovery. Mm. Wow, very nicely done. Oh, I thank like you. that. Thank I you. like that. Um, and I, you know what? I, I think this might actually lead into, and maybe you've already answered this in a way, but I wanted to ask it anyway. And this is from Brandon, Brandon Rogers. Um, he said, What should people be doing more often in order to combat the rapid spread of pseudoscience? And he suggests uh, take more classes on skepticism. Yeah, that's an excellent question. So I, we always assumed in the sort of educated scientific community that if you learn science and you learn the laws of physics that you won't be susceptible to the pseudoscience <laughs> that it's really? kind of a kind of an inoculation against okay. it and, I, and largely that's true if okay. you're scientifically literate it is a kind of a vaccine against those who would exploit your ignorance of natural law for their own gain all right uh, you know what I'll do after the break I'll give you my recipe for fighting pseudoscience <laughs> 
You're still sticking around, I presume. Oh, absolutely. Yes, thank you. All right, you're listening to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. We're back on Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. Joining me as my co-host for this Star Talk Cosmic Queries Hour is Leanne Lord. Leanne, great to have you. Oh, great to be here. Professional comedian. Do you say comedian or comedian? Um, whatever you want to say, as long as I'm getting paid to show up. <laughs> getting paid. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. So comedian is the, the feminized version it is. of comedian. It's pretty. It's I don't, a pretty. I don't mind it. I, my, my feminism doesn't extend to being offended by that. Yeah. It's actually a pretty word. It I, is. Yeah, I, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, so where did we leave off in the last segment? Well, there was a question about... Uh, well, we, what, were, we were talking about uh, pseudoscience and, and what can we be doing to sort of combat that? And is there, is there something, I guess, in the, uh, uh, in the it, toolbox? In the so toolbox, to exactly. So, so first, science literacy just as a state of mind is, is quite the vaccine against those who speak <laughs> pseudoscientific ways. Uh, and you, you listen to them and you just – you immediately notice where the arguments fail and then you just walk the other way. There's an old saying, if an argument lasts more than five minutes, then both sides are wrong. Ooh. Yeah. Congress hasn't heard this. <laughs> no, they, uh, they, well, they argue for much longer than five minutes, which oh, means both sides are wrong. So, 
so you've got this. Uh, so here, I think in addition to just learning how science works, is there's an awesome wiki page, an awesome wiki page on, on uh, what's it called? It's, it's ways that your cognition can fail. Okay. Okay. Cognitive failures. Maybe just a Google search on cognitive failures. There's a whole list. Okay. And you read it and you say, my gosh. I'm an idiot. The the human brain (laughs) is not good at taking data. The human brain is awful at interpreting what it experiences. But we've known this since second grade. We all played telephone, didn't we? Yes, we did. It would take two or three people before the story was completely warped and distorted. And you're being kind. (laughs) (laughs) And what happened is information goes in one ear, and when it came out your mouth, it was different. Mm -hmm. So our susceptibility as humans to cognitive failure is extraordinary. So I think once you know you're susceptible and you read the list of ways you can be susceptible, I think that could take care of most of these. Hmm. Most of these, the the attraction that people might have to what is ultimately uh, false pseudoscience. Okay. And I'll give you a quick example. You know that people say, I have a lucky number. Comes oh. up every time, right? Okay. And in fact, when I won the lottery last week, I knew it when I bought the ticket. Okay. So, so you can say, well, that's the I'm the special. That's the I'm special error, right? But <laughs> so, I am special. Here's a good example. Take a thousand people, give them a coin, heads and tails coin. Tell them flip the, flip the coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone who's got heads, they remain standing. Tails, you sit down. All right. That's about how many left? Five hundred left. Because I started with a thousand. Right. And it's, it's what they call a fair coin, fifty-fifty. Mm-hmm. Right. So you do it again for who remains. All right. It's five hundred left. Flip a coin. Two fifty are standing, and mm-hmm. you keep doing this. And then one hundred and twenty-five are standing, and then sixty are standing. Thirty, fifteen, eight. I'm impressed four. by your division skills on the, <laughs> on, the, on the spot. Two, and then there's one person who flipped heads ten consecutive times, and that person wins. All right. Who does the press go to? Does it go to all the losers? No, they all go to that person. And they say, how do you feel about this? That person will likely say, you know, I felt the head's energy about halfway through. So oh, I knew I was going to win. Yeah. And they say, wow, he, ha- he had this power of knowledge. Did they ask the other people who had the, exactly the same feeling? Mm-hmm. No, because we're not interested in losers. We're only interested in the winner. So. Different and shiny. Every, t- <laughs> every time you do this experiment, somebody's going to basically flip heads 10 consecutive times. Have you ever flipped heads 10 consecutive times in your life? No. All right. But if you did that experiment about a thousand times. I'd be the person. Chances are you would, in those thousand times, chances are you'd flip heads 10 consecutive times. Well, I so know what I'm doing for the rest of the day. Th- so there's always going to be a winner here, but that doesn't mean the person who won is special. But you're that person. You think somehow the gods were on your side. So so that's one example of a, of a, of a way to misthink information that's laid bare right in front of you. So you study that page. So every science class should come along with, here's how the brain fails you. And this was, this will double this will double down on the vaccine that being scientifically literate um, can do for you. So that double whammy there, that's a good start for you. Oh yeah, and okay. then you then you see it in others, and you you have the urge to try to <laughs> fix it. All right, then they'll then they'll tell two people, and and, and make, so on and so you on. You could you could wipe this out in a week. 
Wow. Because it doesn't take higher learning to see the susceptibility of the human mind. And by the way, scientists are also susceptible to yes. this. It's just that we know we're susceptible. Okay. And we invent methods and tools to reduce our susceptibility because we're honest with ourselves about it. That is what science is. That's what the scientific method is. Scientific method is not hypothesis, testing, blah, blah, blah. It can be that, but that's not what it is at its heart. At its heart is do whatever it takes to not fool yourself into thinking that one thing is true when another thing is true. This is also very good relationship advice, everybody. <laughs> I'm, this says this is multiple uh, uses here. Um, just a, can I add a, yeah, yeah, a, a go question for it. to this? Um, the trying to figure out how the brain fails. Yeah. What age do we start this? Oh, well, let's do that when we come back okay. from our break. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. Neil deGrasse Tyson will be right back. We are back at Star Talk after hours. <laughs> Actually, I think of it as that, but it's really Star Talk Cosmic Queries. And I'm being helped out here by my co host, Leanne Lord. Leanne. Yes. You're awesome question reader. Thank you. <laughs> these no are qu pressure. Quick questions from the internet. Uh, these, I think, were from Facebook. Is yes. that right? Yeah. Yeah. And we, we, you you handed me a question right when we had no time to answer it. What was it? Just before the break. Well, my question is you were talking about the ways to sort of inoculate yourself um, against uh, pseudoscience. And, and you were saying that we should study how the brain fails. You know, if, you, if you've got that, you've got half the battle. And I, my question to that is, well, what, at what age do we start introducing this? Oh, yeah, in uh, utero. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, like. Wow. Okay, so the little baby Einstein tapes. This is how your brain's going to fail you. It's not even here yet. No. Here's how it's going to fail. Uh, here's, in my experience, in my experience interacting with kids, kids are not susceptible to pseudoscience. The pseudoscience that they, that, uh, that they ever talk about is because they hear adults mentioning it. Right? Kids are just simply naturally curious about the natural world and they ask natural questions about the natural world. And then the adult says, oh, the, the moon is in the wrong house and the Jupiter is aligns with Mars. And, and they hear this, but left to themselves as kids curious about their environment, they are the least susceptible to pseudoscientific thinking or to mystical thinking or to magical thinking. And what I have found is – now, this is not a formal study. It's just my sort of walks through life. When puberty sets in and, and life gets really complicated. That's, it ruins us all. Does he like me? Does he not like me? Will I have money for this? Will mm. I be hurt? Will I do well on my test? Will I? All of a sudden, life descends on you mm -hmm. and you realize you're not actually in control of the things that are going on in your life. Right. And so there's a susceptibility to that which asserts it can bring control to your life outside of your own initiative to do so. These are rub these crystals and you'll heal yourself. Read your horoscope and it'll make your day better. Walk this way, talk this way, chant this way. Right. And all of a sudden, you believe that now the world is not just you and your control of yourself, that through these forces that you get to blame when things don't go well in your life. So I would say the critical phase is basically middle school when okay. hormones start kicking in and they're susceptible to thinking that they are not in control of their destiny. Okay. And they're looking at these crutches. 
Yes, exactly. They're, they're emotional, intellectual crutches of life. Wow. Shed the crutches, walk on your own power, become scientifically literate. Oh, that'd be make an awesome poster. It would. It, it would. Oh, yeah. All I can say is, dude, where were you when I was 12? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> where were you, sir? Wow, that's great. Okay. So what else you got? All right. I have a question mm-hmm. um, from Ed Travis. And uh, wow, Ed, really? Uh, Ed says, my wife wants a machine that can translate dreams into physical images. How impossible is this? That's awesome. That sounds like something that would show up on the movie uh, on the the Fox series uh, Fringe. Yes, they're always like reading minds and making the mind do things. Mm-hmm. I, uh, why not? Really? Yeah, I think that neuroscience is in its infancy today. Okay, and I think that is one of the most fertile scientific frontiers that currently exists. Neuroscience. You know, we know the brain, you know, we're a sack of chemistry is what we are as humans. Sack human. of chemistry. A conscious sack of chemistry. You are a walking t-shirt slogan <laughs> manufacturer, sir. <laughs> well, humans, are, we're conscious sacks of chemistry. We know we are because that's why medicine works, all right? You put chemicals in you and it changes what you think, how you feel, how alert you are. What, what do you think caffeine is? It's influencing your alert state as, as Leanne Lord holds up her <laughs> cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee. <laughs> Okay, uh, so uh, <laughs> I know it says Dunkin' Donuts, not Starbucks. Is you're on a budget now? <laughs> wow, yeah, because what I'm making here is Star Talk. Oh, really sorry. doesn't finance my right, higher well, coffee design. We'll have to cover you on the, on the next <laughs> cup of coffee. So um, I think that's a brilliant idea and a brilliant suggestion, and I would put that as a sort of science fictiony, but still within reach. Wow, uh, still within reach. Uh, uh, what would be great is if it was a live image of what your dream was. And then, well, maybe you wouldn't want that, actually. So you have the dream and then wake up and see the dream. Uh, oh, you could. Your- or others can watch you dream in real time. That sounds a little invasive. That's a little invasive, so maybe not. Maybe yeah, not. Maybe not. Okay, yes. let's pull back on that yeah, one. Yeah, that's but but maybe you can you can put it in your library of dreams and relive them by just p- popping in the disc. Right. 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 So uh, brain activity is simply chemicals and chemical interactions among uh, neurons. And given that, you uh, once we know what a certain kind of chemical interaction means. In terms of an image, in terms of words, in terms of faces, you just draw it up. Have a little machine that draws it. Uh, that would be the cool future of neuroscience. When we come back, more of Star Talk Radio. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. We're back on Star Talk Radio's Cosmic Queries. Leanne Lord is my official question reader. Yes. And today's topic is pseudoscience. And we've got questions from our from our listener base. Yes. You call it a fan base. I don't think it was their listeners. Okay, I mean, they, listener base. I mean, if they're a fan, you know, they're listeners. Maybe they are fans, but I think of them as listeners. They're okay. listeners. They are partners in education. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 
how to bureaucratize the answer. Okay. Okay. Um, now, I, I, I kind of, if you don't mind, I want to backtrack just a little bit. You were very kind in, in, in saying, you know, when you thought uh, sort of we should be educating kids about uh, inoculating themselves against pseudoscience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you said that, that, you know, little kids, in your experience, yeah. uh, don't really engage in magical thinking. Or, or they're not susceptible to they're pseudoscience. They're not susceptible. Right, right. And I, I, I don't know about that, you know, because, I mean, ki- listen, kids have um, magical blankets. They have imaginary friends. Yeah. No, no, no parent wants their kid to have an imaginary friend. Okay. <laughs> you know, because you said most okay. of this comes from the parents, and I'm so, and, and there's stuff like that that doesn't. Okay, I, so I would, I would put a line in the sand between what people do that is, that is the expression of their imagination, maybe gone a little too far. Okay. And things that you do that you think are actually controlling your behavior and conduct. If you think there's a monster under the bed, mm-hmm. you could actually check for that. You're just too afraid to. All right. Okay. Is that pseudoscience or is it you don't really in control of your imagination at that point? I can tell you that adults don't worry about monsters under the bed. I'm Un- not unless they've been imbibing something <laughs> really strong. So I am not worried about the monster under the child's bed influencing them as an adult. This is the, the, this childhood thinking about fairies and and kingdoms and 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 and, and the the kiss of the prince and all of this. Uh, this is if you put a child out in the middle of the street and you say, I mean, put put them out in the open mm-hmm. and say, "What do you believe is affecting your life right now?" They're not they're not going to say the fairies. They're not going to say the monster under the bed. You take an adult who is susceptible to pseudoscience. They're going to give a list of things that they will assert is in control of their life or influencing their life that that they cannot uh, influence. And, and and so that it's a different kind of thing. So I agree. You have kids with great imagination and it's fun and it's the seeds of so much fantasy um, and, and literature even. Stephen King. Yes, Stephen King if you want to get <laughs> bloody. But, right. also, but Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, mm-hmm. if that's not an LSD trip, I don't know what is. And it's a, it's... Pinocchio, his nose grows. These are fantasy stories, and kids love to have fun and to play. But what I'm saying is I'm, we don't need to stop them from thinking about a monster under the bed because that doesn't carry into, into adolescence. Okay. None of that carries into adolescence. Okay. Don't step on the crack. You break your parents' back. No, that doesn't – it stops. I don't need to stop that with with other efforts. It stops itself because they simply outgrow it. Okay. I'm talking about stuff that adults don't even outgrow. Okay. And that list of th- those things you don't find in children. Okay. Okay. Kids don't are not afraid of black cats. They want to pet the kitty until an adult says that's a black cat. That's right. bad. Okay. So, so they got to be told by someone who's older and not as wise <laughs> to be afraid of the black cat. <laughs> Well, um, I, I, I you got any more questions? How many questions? I do. You got a whole sheet there. I do. I do mm-hmm. have another question. Go for it. I do. Okay. Um, all right. Here's for, this is from Bora Vai, mm-hmm. and uh, they want to know. I used to watch the TV show Ancient Aliens, and at one point they've stated that Bigfoot may be a prisoner from outer space, much like how England used to send prisoners to Australia. Do you think we would eventually send prisoners into space? Wow, that was a long way around to get to that. <laughs> I'm wow, thinking Bigfoot. Bora, I'm thinking really? Ancient alien. 
<laughs> wow, that's wow. a long way around. Okay, so first, it'd be kind of cool if Bigfoot, if if some powerful alien civilization said, Earth is a good place to send our criminals. Let's send Bigfoot there. I wonder what crime did Bigfoot commit? Stole a candy bar. <laughs> You know, one of, uh, uh, who's it, Mitch Hedberg, uh, uh, the late comedian Mitch mm-hmm. Hedberg, you know what he said of Bigfoot? He said, you know what's even scarier than Bigfoot would be if Bigfoot is actually out of focus. <laughs> <laughs> Every picture we have of Bigfoot, it's a fuzzy oh, photo. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. If he's actually out of focus, <laughs> that would be really scary. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I would hope Earth is not some prison colony for misbehaved aliens from another planet. Though it would um, explain a lot. I, I would like to believe that I believe in the future of neuroscience. And I think if you go far enough in the future, we would find a way to cure people who are, who are career criminals so that we would not need prisons for them at all. Wow. Therefore, we wouldn't need to look for a planet upon which to, where to send them. And, and you know, the historical analogy here is England sending their prisoners right. to Australia, an isolated continent island in the middle of the, you know, southern hemisphere Pacific. But now, isn't that the slippery slope, Doctor? Yes, it is. Because if that, we start correcting cr- criminal behavior, yes, what, what else what, we What do? is a crime in one generation versus another? You're absolutely right. That's a whole other show. It is. <laughs> Leanne, thanks for being on Star Thank Talk. you for having me back. This After is Hours. Fantastic. This is Star Talk. After Hours. <laughs> the Cosmic Query segment. So, you are listening to, you've been listening to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I bid you farewell. And as always, to keep looking up. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.